0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon and a very welcome to Liveline. 51551 is our text number. The big hit on TV and BBC and across the UK on Christmas Day was the programme Detectorist. Um, a lot of people call it The Detectorist. It's about uh, two lads, two curmudgeons who um, spend their lives uh, out metal detecting in the hope that they're going to find the Arda chalice or the Derry and the Flan chalice or whatever. But it's, uh, it was the biggest uh, viewership on Christmas Day. So an extremely popular um, pastime to say the least uh, metal detecting I don't know anyone does it here anymore but anyway but talking about the Arda Chalice we're contacted by a number of people including Mary Curry Mary is in Arda um, in uh, County Limerick Mary and she's written a book about about the area Mary good afternoon uh, good afternoon Joe hi and tell us about the Arda Chalice well it was found here 155 years ago on okay. the uh, 17th of September, 1868, and we commemorated the 150th anniversary in 2018. Okay. And um, at that time, we contacted the museum and wondered if uh, they might loan the chalice to us <laughs> uh, for our um, celebration, but uh, we got a very definite no. Um, and who, who found we... it? Obviously, it wasn't metal detectors in those days. Absolutely. No, no. Who no, found it? It was found by um, Jim Quinn, who was uh, the son of the lady who was tenants farmer there, okay. and uh, he, working with him was uh, Spalpeen Thornock, or an agricultural labourer, <clears throat> Paddy Flanagan, who uh, was 65 at the time, okay. where Jim was only a teenager, his young dad. And they were digging potatoes in a ring fort, of all things, yeah. uh, which in itself is quite unusual. Yeah, sure is. And uh, they just found that the ground was giving way and it was soft, so they kept digging deeper and deeper, and they came across a slab, and when they lifted the slab, there was the chalice. Wow. Five brooches and a little copper chalice inside it. A hoard, so, a hoard it was. A, a hoard, it's a hoard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, what happened then, Mary? Who did they give it to? Well, at first they weren't sure what to make, but I think they showed it to the PP and uh, he said he'd contact Dr. Hamlin, who was the agent for the bishop. And uh, it took two weeks before it gets to Dr. Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And that time, local rumour has it that it was left on the windowsill of a house called Frank's House. And people could just see it because um, Mrs. Okay. Uh, Quinn was a very shy woman. She didn't want people calling around to the house. Uh, after two weeks, so, anyway, Dr. So Hamlin... Le- so she left us. She, yeah. she left it outside on the windowsill. That's right. Yeah. For people to have a to have a go, come round, have a look. That's right. But don't yeah, don't be knocking on me door. I'm busy, which you probably was. <laughs> okay, is that the last time it's been on public display in Arda? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. So where? How did it end up in the in the possession of the state? Rightly so. Uh, but how well, did that happen? Because the state. What happened was the the farm had been given to Helena Heffernan by her when her you know uh, she was willed, yeah. if you like. And uh, she became a nun, so it automatically became the position of the nuns. And they didn't want to be acting as landlord collecting rent, so they gave it to the bishop. And he, again, wouldn't be coming out collecting rent, so he got Dr. O'Hanlon in Ratkeel to be his rent collector, if you like. So that's how it came about. So Dr. O'Hanlon sees it and thought, yeah, this is something special. So he took it into Limerick uh, to the bishop, and the bishop contacted his good friend, who was the Earl of Dunraven, um, basically an archaeologist, if you like. And he wrote the report, which is the gold standard, still the same report that's referred to nowadays. Uh, he and did he, a very thorough report and he sent it up to Dublin then and it was cleaned by jewellers in Suffolk Street. 
But he realised the importance of it. Oh, he did straight away. Yes. The, the, he, knew, the, he knew straight away. What it's it was, invaluable, so. I presume, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, I know that uh, we had to, at the time we we considered making a copy, and we got in touch with a jeweller in London who does this kind of thing, and he said to cost around thirty five, thirty six thousand to make an exact copy. Mm. So if you're looking at just that value, but it, its intrinsic value is you know, you know, priceless basically. Okay, um, so you so you it's it's now in the mm-hmm. National Museum in Dublin. Correct. Yes. Okay, and okay. you for the was it one hundred and fiftieth. Yes. You said, can we have it back? Not to put it back on the, the, the windowsill, but to put it, to display it properly. That's correct. In yes. the home yes. of, in the, where it was found. And what was and the reaction? The reaction was no. <laughs> Basically, they told us that it had been abroad um, for two years. Actually, I looked it up in 1978 to 80. It did a two-year tour of America with various other artefacts. And when it came back, they were very unhappy with the condition it was in. Mm. And they decided then that they weren't going to loan it out again. Um, wow. even, basically, even to the place where it was where, where it originated. That's right, yeah. So I said then, well, look, Kay, I can understand that because, you know, maybe we wouldn't have enough security, we wouldn't have the proper whatever system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, how about, you know, the Hunt Museum or University of Limerick or wherever else in Limerick, the, the Art Museum would be ideal. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we could have security in there because we could Sarsfield Barracks. I'm sure the Army would give it a guard of honour. But they just didn't want to live yeah. out at all, and, not to anywhere. And Mary, uh, what's the population of Arda and its environs, so to speak? Uh, well, this is a very, <laughs> about 214 people. Do you think oh, most of them have seen the chalice? No, no. Oh, they we haven't? Did a tour, at the time we did a tour, a 60-seater bus, and I think of that about three quarters hadn't seen it before. Oh, you, you went to see it? Yeah, we went to see okay. it. Uh, it actually was great. We went up to the museum and they were very good to us. They gave us uh, the actual gold room to ourselves. They shut the doors and just the people from Arda were in there oh, for half an hour. Okay. And then they gave us but, tea and coffee and biscuits and they gave us a lecture on it. So. But you still think it, it's moving it around to Arda, obviously, might help rejuvenate a uh, place. Whatever happened, Jim and Paddy? And uh, Jim emigrated. As, yeah. as soon as Jim got to be 18, he emigrated to Australia and he worked on the railways out there. Okay. And uh, he died a single man, I'm afraid. And he's buried in Faulkner Memorial in Graveyard in Melbourne. Uh, unfortunately, it's an unmarked grave. And then Paddy, oh, unfortunately, thought there was more gold to be found and he thought he was being diddled out of gold or something. He was very upset and he became, unfortunately, an alcoholic and he ended his days in the workhouse in Newcastle oh, West yeah. and he's buried in the pauper's grave oh, in Newcastle God. West. And even though these, these two, yeah, well, mm-hmm. a younger man and an older man, these two found one of the greatest pieces of our, our heritage. That's right. Yeah, neither yeah. of them really made money out of and it. And one of them is buried in the pauper's grave. That's right, yeah. And the other, an unmarked okay. grave. We have, we think, identified the grave, but we're having great difficulty okay. getting the people who manage the grave there to accept our evidence. So, <laughs> so you were prepared to compromise, say, OK, if we can't bring it to Arda, can you bring it to the wonderful Hunt Museum in Limerick in the city? Okay, exactly. OK. Yeah. Stay there, Mary. Michael Ryan. Michael's contact as well. Michael, the Derry and the Flan Chalice. Hello, Joe. Good. How are you? Tell us where, where you are and what's your connection with the Derry and the Flan Chalice. Well, I, I, I bought the island there two years ago on the recommendation of Mr. Lee Maguire from Two Mile Boroughs. Because up to ah, public Liam, yeah. auction, Joe. That's my connection. Okay. And how much you pay for the island? Oh, we bought it very cheap. It was guided at 280000 but it was a very bad time to have a public auction because 
the COVID was on at the time. Okay. 110,000, Joe. For your own island? For the own island. Charlie Hoy had an island, so I said I might as well buy oh, one as Okay. Well. So you bought Derry Naflan. Is it called Derry Naflan Island? Oh, Derry Naflan Island. It's, it's, most islands are surrounded by water. Yeah. Derry Naflan is surrounded by bog. Very okay. unusual. Now tell us about when was the Derry Naflan chalice found? And was it by detectors with, with uh, metal detectors or was it lads out accidentally digging? Who found it? Well, Michael Webb and he saw 1980. Okay, oh, that's fairly recently, yeah? Yes. A hundred years after our die, yeah, or, or so. So how, do, how was it found? Um, Mr. Webb from Clonmel and his son went out with two metal detectors and they were only there 10 minutes and they found it. Wow. But you were talking about the Ardell Chalice. Um, the pride of place is in the National Museum. The first, the first pride of place is the Down the Flan Chalice, and the Ardell is only number two. Oh, that's important. It is, yep. That's important. Okay. So, do, would you like it back? For... Oh, I got well, A friend of mine has a boutique hotel in Cashel, Dermot Delaney, Bailey's Hotel. And we, we have a replica chalice. I bought it off an American lady last June on display in Dermot's Hotel. Yeah. Because lots of the local people, Joe, never saw the original chalice okay. because it's up in Dublin. So they all come to Bailey's. But we'd love to have the original one in Bailey's. In, 19, in 1990, George was taken to Malahide Castle for a, an, EU, an EU summer ah, dinner dance. I remember that. Charlie, yes, 19, Charlie Hoy. Oh, Charlie was able to do it, but unfortunately yeah. he's not able to do anything anymore. But now, and then, and then it was taken to Care and it was taken to Cork on display. So it has been on tour. It has been on tour, and then they gave 150,000 of a grant, which was a lot of money that time, to put it into the work of angels. It was an exhibition in London and Edinburgh. And it has gone on tour over in England as well, and Scotland. And we, paid, we paid for that to go into the we exhibition. We did, 150,000. You'd buy a big farm that time for that. You'd buy, you'd buy an island. Yeah, you would, Jeff. You we would could. buy an island. And where would you put it if you got it, if you, if you got it for a month or two? Mr. Delaney says he'd put up a, a, a climate-controlled, a fully sealed container in in Bailey's in Cashel. In ba- okay, Dermot Delaney, Joe at RT. I'm going. I'm talking to Dermot next. You you agree? You're willing to put up the dairy in the flan? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah, and I contribute towards the cost of it as well because Dermot is a great friend of mine. But um, there's a big connection. Cashel is a tourist town, so it, it'd be great to have it in Cashel. And there was always a connection, Joe, between the Rock of Cashel and Durham the Flan in the 12th century. There was a big connection between the two places. Okay, so is, is Dermot there? Is Dermot from Bailey's Hotel. Are you there, Dermot? Yes, I Come am, on. Joe. Come on, Dermot. Yeah, okay. You're willing to host it, so to speak. Yes, it's uh, the only exact replica of the Durham the Flan in the world. And... Uh, on display here in a glass case in in Bailey's. And you're, and not, happy, are you not happy with the replica? Oh, I'm quite happy with the replica because I don't believe um, it would be allowed to go on tour. Well, according, to, well, according to Michael, it was on tour. Cashel, well, Malahide Castle, uh, uh, Care, Malahide Castle and, and on a tour in England. Oh, uh, it, it, it was on tour. Yeah, that's what, that's what we yeah, were told. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, because we have um, a nice town here, a real tourist town, and we have the, the old town hall is here, and there's a lot of stuff on exhibition up there, uh, like a models of the rock, oh, okay. and we also have 
the charters that were granted to Cashel to make it a city. It's probably the smallest city in Europe. So it was granted by... Um, no, would we do? Yeah, it would, it would be a big boost, all right. There's no doubting that. It would. Uh, it five one double five ones at Hexer. Pat Wallace is former director of the National Museum of Ireland, where the chalices are. Pat, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Were you ever, when you when you were in your esteemed uh, position, were you ever contacted by anyone saying, can we have was, to check? Yeah. Um, what was your reaction? I was. Well, I'm, I'm not speaking for the museum anymore now. I know that, I know that. So I can be a bit more dearer than maybe I ordinarily yeah, yeah, might. Yeah. Um, no, I have been contacted in the past about it. And may I say, uh, in uh, praising Mary Curry there for her historical research, yeah. I too am a West Limerick man, very deeply committed to my county of origin. Okay. But there's no way that I would uh, sanction, if I were still there, the, the giving of the Ardach House. Somebody once asked me uh, from on Passant, from Newcastle West Golf Club, mm. would I would I give it to them for a night? I thought they were out of their minds when they asked me that, <laughs> and, I, I, and my my response wouldn't even be printed. <laughs> but or, uh, but I just want to say, the other chalice. First okay. of all, I, I'll come to doing the flan later. Yeah, yeah. The other chalice is one of the greatest chalices surviving from the early Christian church. Eighth century, beautiful metalwork, mm-hmm. inspirational and part of Europe's heritage. It's not even our, it's, it, of course it's made in Ireland. I had a minister once, by the way, not from Limerick, who claimed it could hardly be made by Limerick men. Well, it was and it is a very sacred part of Limerick's heritage. But why would people want to bring it down to a small, I'm from a small village in yeah. County Limerick, next next to Arda, why would people want to bring it for their own uh, edification to a place like that and deny the public at large, the world at large, the continued presence of this most important treasure of the National Museum, to yield on this for the National Museum and to give it for any extended uh, span of time would be to compromise on the whole raison d'etre of the National Museum and that every object from every part of Ireland would go back uh, logically mm-hmm. to its, pla- its place of discovery. That can't be. We have a small nation, a small island country, island heritage, and we are we have decided as, as a people, even in the old British days, was they set up all this, uh, to have a national museum. And mm-hmm. we have that, that museum to show the best and to explain our incredible past from the early historic pre-Viking Age um, Christian period. So, uh, uh, well, what about the point, Pat, that it, that it has been let out before? Uh, the other chalice. Yeah. It has, yes, it was in the Treasures of Munster when I was a junior in the National Museum. It was taken to Cork Museum, a very fine regional museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also a part of an international exhibition which was uh, under Brandon O'Reardon's time as director and I accompanied as curator uh, to Berlin. Had I been director, I, and I respect and revere Brandon's memory, mm-hmm. and he, uh, but I would not have let it out of the country at that time. And and did, well, my well, time, well, well, was it damaged, Pat? 
No, but was in, and was in a fa- fantastically secure place in Berlin, and I was there with it all the time. But it's still, in principle, I think it shouldn't have gone there. But it was decided above Brendan's head by the minister of the day, yeah. who, who uh, tried, was trying to put out a good message about Ireland when we were looking very bad in international news terms. Um, could I just say... And what about Ma- Malahide Castle, Pat? Malahide Castle was done behind my back. Uh, I was director just uh, at that time. Yeah. and was taken out for a one-night stand, literally, to Malahide Castle because Mrs. Thatcher was visiting. Uh, I thought it was wrong in principle. And what, you I, mean I, did, I, what do you mean they did it behind your back? Which was done very quickly by the department of the day, and I don't want to rehearse that now because uh, it, it was just a bit embarrassing, and it shouldn't have been done. And when did you uh, find out it was at a dinner oh, in Oh, Malahide? no, no, I, knew, I, I was told it was going out there. Ah, you were told. Yeah, I told. There was no discussion there. Um, was it, C, the was it CJH? Uh, well, I'm I, I'm a fan of his culturally, so know, I'm not going to denigrate him. But because uh, he was a great man for archaeology and believed in all that kind of thing very sincerely. But uh, could I just talk about the the uh, the insanity of the idea of the uh, Flan? Delaney Flan isn't a chalice. It's a horde of material which okay. includes the chalice. And the chalice isn't in a number two position or number anything position. Spatially, if you enter the, the, the treasury in the museum, you'll come at it from first before you come to Ada. But there's no question the Ada chalice is the superior uh, construction. It's also yeah. much earlier in days. What's important about Delaney Flan, oddly enough, is the pattern uh, which was used okay. In, the, in that set of instruments, the pattern is the equal of the Arda Chalice and, ha, and has been published as such by my colleagues in the museum. Uh, but the, the, uh, the Diana Flan material, yes, the, your correspondent there talks about the work of angels. The truth about the work of angels is it was a gift from the Irish state, Charlie Henry, to Britain to thank them for the for the conservation work they did directly on the Dianaflan horde. And the Dianaflan horde, in its way, and the standard of conservation that the British did on it, uh, inspired the inauguration of the very fine uh, conservation lab we now have in Collins Barracks okay. as part of the National Museum. Uh, so it's wrong to to denigrate the Work of Angels exhibition. Okay. Uh, my, my colleagues were involved in it big time, and I take my hat off to them. Wonderful catalogue, a great effort, and it's uh, prefaced by Charlie Hawley and Margaret Thatcher in a gesture of peace at a rough time in the early okay. 80s. And uh, then, what, uh, the, what was the, the St. Patrick's Bell? What about St. Patrick's Bell? Should it not end up in the Phoenix Park? It was taken to the Pope's Mass, as far as I know, in Galway. And was that behind uh, your back as well, Pat? No, that was before my time. <laughs> but, uh, but were, I, they I mad, were, they, were they mad bringing St. Patrick's Bell to an open-air gig? I, I, in my opinion, yes, but I, I, I don't want to judge and, and judge my, my predecessors and colleagues about that. Yes, it shouldn't have gone even to the Pope's Mass. Um, uh, in fact, it went to Galway, the Mass in Galway. And briefly, uh, briefly what is the history of the St. Patrick's Bell? Because I remember Patrick, seeing it on the day. St. Patrick's Bell is reputed to have belonged to the era, uh, to the 5th century, 
possibly it's been published recently by Cormac Burke, but it, it, uh, I think it might be a bit later, and certainly the um, inscription looks a bit later. What's very attractive about St. Patrick's Bell is this bell shrine that was made for it in the early 12th century. That, that makes it... Uh, so, so important as part of our early Christian uh, inheritance. But all of these things should stay in the National Museum where they can be protected. And we have armed protection on on these items in the National Museum. And you've armed, you've a, armed protection. Well, yes, I, I think we're within we're within the quarterly uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and Pat, did I, you ever just? I, I want to come to the Book of Kells in a sec, but did you? And I know it's different times now, but did you ever worry about? And uh, you know, it's happened recently with the paintings in London and the Crawford Art Gallery in Berlin, the the, the Van Gogh and people throwing whatever on them to make a point about their their yes. environment or whatever. Did you ever worry about that in your day? I did, and in fact, I never forget it. Crossing the the boundary into East Berlin uh, or into West Berlin uh, with armed guards everywhere, and that was the middle of the Cold War when that when that material, when the Irish material, uh, went on exhibition in Berlin in 1983, I think it was. Uh, I was very worried that day, though I was uh, an assistant keeper, I wasn't a senior. Mm. Uh, in the senior rank at the time. But, uh, and what were you worried say, about, that the communists that, would seize it? Not, not, no, no, actually. It was just the, the movement of it by a road yeah, yeah, in, in police vans. Because, you know, you can shake these things, they can yeah. suffer, the metalwork can, can, can uh, okay. you know... Be, be, so your, be your nerves would have been gone to use that Dublin phrase. They would. They would. Now, Pat, they can would. I ask you then? All of uh, well, these uh, three items that we're now talking about that have been and the the, the request is you're, you're pretty adamant what your response to uh, any request to move it out of Dublin would be. But what about the book of? So they're all they're all available free to free to view um, most days of the year. What about the book of Kells, which you have to pay in to see? Yeah, well, but that, the book of you know there's a campaign in Kells. I do, I do, and uh, even though I love Kells and what it stands for, well, are they from, are they out of their minds? Well, we want, or I'm still saying we. I'm out of the museum now. I know that, they, may, they may not fully agree with me on these things, but no, the the book of Kells is the property of Trinity College, and it doesn't. It's not state ownership there, but the people in Trinity have been magnificently mm-hmm. responsible uh, in the last century or so, and they have, built, they have built a conservation area around all these things. Now, it did go to Australia, and it shouldn't have gone there, yeah, I, I thought, that. and it, it, it may have suffered a little on that trip. The bottom line, Joe, is that these sacred items, which are identity icons for our ancient past, they should be left in Ireland and they should be studied inside out. I remember your late colleague, the great Jim Fahey. Yeah. We, took, we took the Cross of Kong down to our branch museum in Castle Bar, and Jim and his crew photographed it so well that uh, 
it, it, uh, those photographs should be used more and more. There is a book about the House mm-hmm. of Khan but, by Griffin Murray, but really proper photography, proper uh, engagement with scholars, comparisons, chronology, relationship to history, uh, studying the metalwork. Uh, th- these are the things that need to be done to understand the thing, not to have a kind of a, a transient experience for a few people where... In, in, by coincidence, the place of the items were uh, used maybe 1,500 years ago. Mm. It's not that simple, really. And I would challenge the people from Arda, how many of them can be can put, put their ancestry back as far as they... they Evigente, the, the tribe who inherited okay, so used that part of the limerick. So, I mean, continuity is a very doubtful thing in some cases. Uh, of course, we know the place, and Damien Shields and I did a wonderful radio program for Limerick Radio based on the very site. We st- Damien is a local Arda-born archaeologist, and we okay. stood on the site and spoke about it. And all these kind of communications attempts on the on our heritage should be used and given to people on radio and television free of charge so they can study the okay. maximum. Did and one last thing I would last, like yes, to challenge yes. the hotelier uh, in uh, Dermot, yeah, Dermot, Dermot, uh, I would just like to say, Dermot, how many extra people will uh, a, a, a location, locating temporarily the Dernoflan chalice in the foyer of your hotel, how many extra people will it bring into Cashville? Cashville is already swarming with people during the summer. And uh, why not instead, here's what Cashville should do, in my opinion, is elevate the beauty and importance of the architecture, 18th century architecture uh, uh, of the uh, Protestant cathedral. I think that is, uh, Cashville is crying out to do that, should do it. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the uh, the lovely Queen Anne Hotel has now been restored uh, to compete with Dermot's Hotel. But uh, we should think long and hard. And don't forget, people in, in South Tipperary, there's a wonderful museum in Clanmel, the County Museum. And we in the National Museum have given, over the course of years, mm-hmm. different parts of the Dana Fan Horde on loan to that wonderful museum, we having checked out the security and the conditions there. So we're not averse to looking after the places these okay, things have come from. But, but no way are the chalices moving. Well, that's just my advice. Yeah, I know, I be. understand, of course, and it's very clear. Say the President directed say, my, my, my team difference. Uh, I know, but uh, your, your, your advice is well respected and well experienced. I'll, I'll let Hillary and Michael and, and Seamus and Dermot reply after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Darren People from Derry Naflan, which is in Tipperary, Kidanal and Arda, which is not too far away. Another chalice, both of them are uh, in the National Museum in Dublin to have pride of place. Uh, and we began with uh, Michael Ryan and indeed Mary Curry saying they sh- would love to see them back, even for a short period, uh, where they, in the area where they were found. And Pat Wallace, former director, National Museum, has given that very, very, very short shrift to the to, Fiche to, on a dear as he said himself in his response. Michael Ryan, what's your response to Pat Wallace? You're having a hope in hell of getting it. 
Are you uh, are you are you out of your mind? No, no, I, I the same old story, Joe. Everything in Dublin. I respect Pat's Pat's expertise and all that, but sure, if Pat had his way, he'd nearly moved the rock of cashing up to Dublin. So, like, it's a sound down and down and down and down the plan. It should be brought down for a week anyway, so that the local people and the tourists get some some advantage out of it. I think anyway. Does everything have to be in Dublin, Pat? Uh, yeah. You're asking me yeah, that. Well, the one, please, you, can tell, you can tell Michael there that the one thing I don't want in Tashto or in Dublin is any reminder of tips uh, of Tipperary because I'm a Limerick calling fanatic and I, okay. I, I, I don't want any image of the Rock of Cashville near me. But, of course, <laughs> I respect I respect Cashville and love Cashville. Cashville actually is the capital of Munster uh, and was certainly for, for maybe most of a millennium. So there's no way one can downgrade Cashville in any way or ever even think about it. But I think there is a danger and there's the principle as well of bringing it down for a week uh, to to a hotel. And by the way, it's not from Cashville. It's from Derryna Flan and the nearest village to Derryna Flan is Horst and Jockey. Yeah, but Michael Ryan owns Derryna the Flan Island, Pat. I know, but sure, I mean, what does that got to do with it? It's not where it was found, as such. But that's, uh, well, that means that Michael owns a national monument, as I understand it, and they can be, they can be, it has to be treated very carefully, by, both by him and people that he okay. invites. And do, and Michael, do you own a national monument? Well, there's a national monument on the island. But yeah, but do you, you know, own it? Oh, we do, yes. We bought it at the auction on Mr. Maguire's advice two years ago. Uh, but are you, are you, you're fully conversant with the rules and regulations around Oh, yes. We have cattle monument. and horses on it. But oh, also, you, have cattle and hor- very... you have cattle and horses on the National Monument? On oh, the no, island, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not a sin. That's not a sin. Okay, We're in a scheme, Joe. We're in a National Parks and Wildlife scheme this year. Uh, the whole island is preserved, no fertiliser, no spring. What I'm saying, it, it, uh, Michael, ju- judging, and I know Pat's not a spokesperson, but he's he's had the experience. He said even the few times that they gave out the chalice before, um, um, and the, even the Book of Kells going to Australia, um, and the St. Patrick's Bell going to uh, Ballybrit Racecourse, that it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been done. He thought it was crazy. So you're not getting it back, Michael. I think it's terrible when 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 it was able to, it was in display below in Clare Castle, it was in display in Cork, uh, Scotland, uh, London, okay. like I don't know. Anyway, well, um, could, could I ask Michael a question, please? Yes. Yes. Did you go to see it when it was in uh, Tranmere County Museum? Uh, no, but I was in the National Museum twice with, with, with a member of the National Parks and Wildlife. And yeah. um, that's why I thought it was the uh, number no, that's one a, that's display, a, You correct that's me a, on that. Pat, that's a, uh, Michael, that's a slam dunk from Pat Wallace. No, but uh, <laughs> it's it the is. first one on it's like, it's like when Todd Andrews was chairman of CIE yeah. and he, he, he had to meet a delegation from Charleville, for argument's sake, the local councillors and the, the, the burghers of the town, the parish priest and the local vicar, and they all... Uh, arrived up in, in Todd's office in uh, Kingsbridge, Euston Station now, and uh, they arrived in and started thumping the table. We want our railway line kept and we want this. And Todd Andrews said to him, now, gentlemen, it was on, man. now, gentlemen, will you please show me your railway tickets? <laughs> right. And, and none of them could because they all drove. 
and he told him to get out of his office. Pat Wallace is saying the same to you, Michael. It was in the, it was in care, and he didn't go and see it. Get out of my office. I know, no, no, I know I, you're not I, like that, Pat. I know, like that. <laughs> but that's a well, true, so that's I, a true I, story, I, Michael. I go to see it when it comes to Cashel anyway. Without, uh, there'll be thousands well, I won't be going to, to Cashel because it's not Pat. And again, I don't, I don't want to make any uh, taste tasteless comparisons, but things have changed, haven't they, in terms of transport and 3D printing and even we had, well it's 10 years ago now, we had the uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, we had the Therese Mobile going yeah, around with her, yeah. with her radics and that was a specially built truck with air conditioning and uh, bulletproof glass and like there, there, are, there, is, there is precedent That was in Thomas in 0-0 Zero zero, okay. Yeah, but why, 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 why he put uh, such an important object to belong to everyone at such risk? There was yeah. no point in hiding it above in Dublin either, because it belonged to everybody. It well, be the reason I presume the reason they had the Therese Mobile was to, to for the veneration of same and and the inculcation or the evangelization of people who had a special devotion to Saint Therese of the Roses. But anyway, it's a different a different situation. Seamus Hennessy, Seamus. Good afternoon. Oh, sorry, where, where's that woman saying that that uh, there was a call there a few minutes ago? Hopefully she comes back. She says um, there's, a, there's a replica of the Arda Chalice in Cabra in Dublin. Did you know that? There's a replica of the Arda. Do you know that, Pat? No, I don't. Yeah, I know. It's probably where's in a the, local church. We'll try and find out where. And where's Mike? Mike, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. How are you? Where is the replica you've seen? Uh, well, it's uh, 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 it's in the Hunt Museum in Limerick. Okay. And mm. what's do you know much about the replica? Who made it, or who? I think it was made at the end of the nineteenth century in London. Oh wow! Yeah. So there's some there's some history to it. And a, yes, and indeed. Yes, yes. And yes. a providence. Yeah. And have you been in to see it? No. Uh, well, I, I I actually I'm a docent in the Hunt Museum every Saturday afternoon. You're a docent. You're guide. Yes. That's a guide, is it? Yeah, yes, yes. Well done, Joe. Well done. That's ah, a beautiful not, museum. Not it's many people know that. It's yes, a beautiful it museum. Yeah. It's a beautiful you were museum. seen in there once, actually. I'm sure I was seen in there more, more, than, <laughs> more than once. And it was, by the way, it was during during opening hours, Mike. During <laughs> <laughs> really? Well done. <laughs> uh, Seamus, Seamus Hennessy in Ross Gray. Yes, Joe. Good afternoon. We were delighted, actually. I'm delighted to hear Dr. Wallace uh, there on air. And he was a household name for our generation as custodian of the Irish artefacts. But uh, our family run the post office in Newcastle West. And we were delighted when on post had the initiative to bring out a commemorative stamp a couple of years ago, commemorating the Arda Hoard and the Arda Chalice itself. We knew, because we did ask Dr. Wallace, what's the chances of getting it back? We were quickly rebuffed and put in our place when it was explained to us. (laughs) that any movement of it would be a national calamity and disaster. So the best he could do was, we did arrange a replica, we had it on display in the post office, Mm -hmm. but Dr. Wallace came on board and gave a fantastic lecture in conjunction with Mary Curry from Arda, Mm -hmm. and we had a gala night, it brought the town to a standstill in Newcastle West, which is the neighbouring town to Arda. And where's the replica now, James? Is that the one in the... Actually, there's a great story to that as well, there are a couple of replicas, and some are by the way ones, 
But I do know that, believe China, you spring out one from time to time. And when President Clinton came to Limerick, all of us in the journalist and press corps were pushing that the Arda Chalice replica could be presented to President Clinton. But I think we were pipped at the post with something else. And Irish Dresden then, in their heyday, brought out a small chalice replica as Irish, well. Irish Dresden? Yes, in their heyday. They're no longer fully in existence. So there is a small part of where the factory still there. Where were they? What's the ceramics? They were in drum colour. So you'll remember that be- those beautiful lace figurines that were manufactured by the Tsar family who had to flee from Germany during the war. And they set up shop in a fabulous operation in drum colour. And it's ceramics, isn't it? it Fine is ceramics. ceramics. Yes, they brought up pieces like the Limerick Lace Lady and all sorts of okay. artefacts related to Irish history. And, and are, they, are, they valu- are they valuable now, Seamus? I think they've held their value and they're collector's items. You okay. see them going at auctions from time to time. And it's, but called, we, it's called Dresden? Irish Dresden. Of course, Irish it comes Dresden. from the town of Dresden or the city of Dresden in yeah. Germany. But getting back to Dr. Wallace, he gave an amazing lecture that night. Uh, so many people turned out. We had to clear out the whole post office and we brought in chairs from the local hotel and had to put a marquee in the side of the street to accommodate all of the people. I think Dr. Wallace will remember it fondly himself. <laughs> I wish it was half as good as what you described here. <laughs> sure it was. Pat, Pat, Pat Wallace on tour. He, he began bigger crowds than Westlife apparently when he was in Newcastle Westlife. Uh, Seamus, you say what did you say? The chalice was on a stamp. Yeah, the Unpost brought out a commemorative stamp. I mean, it's a collector's item nowadays. And uh, certainly it was a great day for the people in Arda. They brought out the old brand from Arda Post Office, and which is no longer there now. But you need need to own the Arda Chalice to buy a stamp Not at all. It was just available at the the going rate. (laughs) And they're such a lovely item to have. And the local schools had such an involvement in it as well. The Courtney Boys School and Skull Yosef had such a big involvement. What do you think of the, the argument that... You heard Michael make it and, and uh, Mary to a lesser extent that is it an idea and the people of Kells have a commentary about it as well and I don't know whether the Cross of Kong, the people of Kong wanted to go back there and view whatever but that given the whole mood in the country is decentralisation, the world has changed in terms of transport and movement that it, it might be an idea to give them a little tour. Oh yeah, it's a great idea, but we oh, can it? see that these are items from circa the 800 to 899 AD. They're a, a wide range of materials and they have been made by master craftsmen. And I think, yes, it would be a lovely idea for the Cross of Kong to go to Kong, the Book of Kells to go to Kells, yeah, and the Art of Chalice to come back, but totally impractical. Totally Wallace impractical. brought me around okay. to his way of thinking when we pleaded okay. with him all those years ago to bring it to Newcastle West and Arda. He won me over with his logic, okay. I'm afraid. Okay. Okay. Um, Hillary, I mentioned Cabra. Where is the, where is the Arda Chalice in Cabra? It, it, it's, can you hear me, Joe? Oh, loud and clear, Hillary, yes. Okay. The, 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 there's a copy of the Arda Chalice in, um, in Dominican com- Convent Cabra. And how do you know this? Uh, I, I went to school in Cabra <laughs> many years ago. Okay. In, I suppose it was about 1955-56. And I recall being brought over to the sacristy or some room of that nature and this big red box being opened. Okay. And we were in awe of this silver chalice. And they said, and, and did it look impressive? Um, sorry, say that again, Joe. Did, did it look impressive? Was it? Was it, it certainly it? did. But now I was yeah. very young. I was eight or nine. Okay. But I recall being in awe of this thing and its big red box and the nun holding it out to show us all. And 
we had, we were we had to is that, uh, be is, very reverent in his company. Of I course, recall. yeah. Is that the Dominican convent that's now the papal nunciature where where the Pope I, I think so. Stayed? When I was in the boys section, it was Saint called it was called Saint Dominic's, and then yeah. the girls were over in um, in okay. Dominican convent. Cabra. But is, is it on um, public display now, or would they give it? Would they lend it out to? Well, there you are. I'm, I'm I'm I'm. I'm well past myself by date in that regard, but I, I think um, I wonder do the people from Arda know that that existed, or rather, I suppose the main question is: does it is it still there? Do they still have it? Who runs that place now? Oh, it's still run by the Dominicans. That's where that's where Paul Francis stayed two years ago, three I, four I, years down, ago. I think that's down the end of a big long. Um, that's that's nearly on the Navan Road. I think it's connected no. to there, but it's quite a distance from the um, okay. We, from we, the we, original we, building. We, we ring the, the good sisters and find a part. Yes. Yeah, Joe, I just, uh, while, while we're on the air, could I just caution people uh, uh, against metal detecting? Metal detecting okay. is, being, is being presented as a very popular, civilized, almost romantic uh, pastime if you watch that series on television. The detectors, yeah, I mentioned yeah, that. that. That could not happen here, we should say. Okay. Our legislation, well, the, our legislation, following the day in the flan, uh, ministers, particularly in the border works, particularly the late great um, uh, Galway man uh, who brought mm. in this legislation about, about metal detecting, you can, you can, obviously you can own a metal detector, you know, but you, to, to use it knowingly to find and and uh, uh, artifacts and especially to go rooting for artifacts mm-hmm. is illegal and, and uh, in Ireland. And you can and end you can end up in prison. But say, but, but say, Joe, you, I think uh, there's a very important point we're missing. Shame, sir. Little is very known about the people that. Well, a little is known about the people that found it. But there's a tinge of terrible sadness to it because one of the two who found the hoard was Mr. Quinn. He emigrated to Australia. Yeah, we he's heard that earlier. Yeah. Out in Melbourne. But sadly, the other uh, who just got a small part of the reward. He's buried not far from my own home in the pauper's graveyard yeah, in Newcastle West. Yeah. And our biggest thing will be to commemorate all of those. But the biggest replica of the Arda Chalice, there's so many of them across the country, you could be here till doomsday talking about them, yeah. but we do know that the Sam Maguire was yeah, modeled after the Arda Chalice yeah. Yeah. back in, 19, in the 1920s. And the Sam Maguire now is much bigger than the Arda. It is, but it was it? modelled on it, so it's a different yeah, lasting reminder. Okay, I want to let Dermot, Dermot Delaney come back and in. Be, and, they are, and that Sam Maguire will be in Arda, and it's easier to go and see that, and then head to Dublin, to the National Museum, where we can have that protected under climatic okay. control conditions. Okay, Dermot Delaney, do you want to respond to what Pat Wallace, Pat the Dr. Pat Ball has said, former director, that um, you, you wanted to you want to bring it to your hotel in Cashel. Well, I, want, uh, I wanted to bring it to Cashel. Period. Maybe uh, to the town hall, or maybe to the Rock of Cashel. Well, I'm paraphrasing or, Pat when I say his response is, "Are you out of your mind?" I don't think so. You heard all the um, arguments: damage, travel, atmosphere, insurance. How do you transport it? How do you mind it? Anything that has moved is always a great danger that it could be damaged. And, is, they, are, and they are on national display. Yeah, I agree. There, there, is, there is a risk. But, I mean, if the proper steps are taken, I can't see why it can't be done. But why? Why is it? Why, why take it just to, to Cashel? When it is not directly connected to Cashel. You could say, why not take it to Montmelic? Or why not take it to Nina? Why Cashel? Well, Cashel... It's synonymous, synonymous with um, the island because the, the monks that were in the rock 
had a connection with the monks on the island. And there was a um, medieval village out there on the island as well. So I know, but that, that doesn't clinch it because uh, Cashel, no one is taking from Cashel's own importance yeah. as the, the main site in Munster, the Onacht kings, it's the kings of Munster, lived in Cashel. Cashel isn't just an ordinary place, it's a, it's a provincial uh, capital. Uh, it's a major place, but to to just uh, select it uh, uh, and and uh, where there's no museum that I know of, and where there are other uh, objectives that could be achieved, like highlighting, for instance, the, as I said, the Protestant sure, cathedral sure. and the, and the, the the library there, uh, donated by Guinness Peters, as I remember. These right. are things that, that these that need. Uh, a national okay. spotlight okay. and not bringing in an object like, like the, the Dying of Flan and putting it at risk. Okay, Pat, Pat but by the way, um, and there, was a, there was a big raid, I think it was about four years ago in a museum in uh, southern Germany and uh, they, they, the criminals ransomed. Uh, now, a, a lot of it has been recently uh, retrieved but were you ever worried that, given that I'm thinking about the the the, the, the uh, rob, robbery of the debate paintings um, by Rose Dugdale and the general then subsequently, were you ever worried that one of the these, these priceless artefacts will be taken as for a ransom or hostage or whatever, so to speak? Or myself, yes. as director? Yes. No, I didn't. Not at all. I I, I didn't. There's been very good protection in the okay. museum. And uh, very good uh, technical people and uh, security people still in the museum. Uh, could I just mention one thing, Joe? The minister whose name I dropped is sadly deceased last year. A wonderful man that brought in the anti-metal detecting legislation mm. was Noel Tracy. God oh, Noel Tracy, yeah. Great but, man. But, but I, I just got this is where I started. The detectorist, or detectorist is the correct name for it, which is on mainstream BBC One. It was it got the biggest audience on Christmas Day, Pat. That's the biggest audience. So, I, know, I saw one episode of it, and uh, so, I thought it was well-made program, to be so honest. So metal but detecting is going, it gets more and more popular, does it not? God, I hope not. I thought the drone would get rid of that as a hobby and the people would start taking aerial <laughs> photographs of everything. Okay, okay. What's your yeah. biggest worry, Pat, going forward? I know you're you're involved and I know it's, it's uh, especially a well, double... My, my biggest uh, gripe with the National Museum at the moment, my own institution that I love, is that they're not publishing the Dublin excavations. They've given up on that and uh, I, I can't understand that. Uh, the board and the director and all of them, they, they should... Re- renew their baptismal vows. The National Museum, one of its proudest achievements was the excavation of Dublin, bought by myself, but, key, but, yeah. but, but before me, and I was Woodkey, but before me, Brendan O'Riordan, also a director of the museum. So what is, our, what is not being published, Pat? The results of the excavations. I mean, I brought out a book there which was kind of a universal look at the overview of things. Yeah, okay. But all the, all the elements of discovery, like the animal bones, for instance. We have the finest collection of bones from animals in the early Middle Ages in Europe. Now, they haven't been touched yet. And uh, I, I think it's, it's unthinkable that the museum is doing other things and forgetting. All, they, all we want is one person to do the work, to manage 
the engagement with specialists and to uh, farm out photographs as needed by the public. We're not okay. doing that. Okay. So that's my problem. I'm, well, I'm not happy with the museum either. People are saying, oh, that I'm giving the museums side of the story here. Yes, I am, because it's, it's you're part upset and parcel. And is that, money, yeah. is that money that's preventing that part? I'm not sure. Yeah, so okay, you should okay. ask the board about that. Okay, maybe. okay. Finally, and this now we're going into the whole thing about the uh, the, the marbles and, and the British Museum. And Pat Preston wants to make a point. Pat and Watford, your point, please, Pat. Well, I'm talking about another uh, bell. It's St. Colin's Gales Bell, which you probably never heard of, Joe, did you? No. no. It, it doesn't, does, doesn't ring a bell, no. No. Touche. <laughs> Well, uh, it's a 6th century bell which is in the British Museum. Okay. The, re- the reason I'm interested is that the O'Bresden family, which I'm part of, and <coughs> got the job of minding this bell from the 6th century. Okay. And uh, it's in the British Museum. It came to Donegal sometime around 2015 for a visit to Dunchinidi, uh, okay. I think. And it was from, it was located in Dardara, in Donegal. Yeah, but the, the bell is in the British Museum. It's f- 1,500 years old, as far as I know. And you're saying your family? Well, the w- Breslin family, I'm not sure. It, I mean, well, what branch? <laughs> We're the guardians of the bell. And, well, let, let me, Pat, Pat I, don't want to, I don't want to land you in it, but do you, are you familiar with the bell, bell of Connell? As I am, yes, Connell. and I think it's been very well published now, as far as I know, by okay. Connell Burke. Uh, but it is in the British Museum. But don't forget, there are other Irish artefacts in Britain. And we, we are not trying to bleed the British museums of their collections to bring stuff back to Dublin. For instance, the Shannon Grove uh, next gorgeous in the, the gold gorgeous of about 800 BC from my own part of the continent, near Paris, Canary, that object is fine in, in, in London. There, there okay. are seven other ones in the National Museum in Dublin. Once museums, uh, kind of good museums, have... Have things. I'm happy. I'm not going to be asking museums okay. for their stuff. So, what, what, what do you think about the controversy about the Elgin marbles ongoing? I've been following it very much in the British press, yeah. and I have some sympathy for the British Museum, but then I would, and I would. That puts me in a very minority no, point sure of view does, now. Yeah. yeah. The British Museum would want to, we should give them back, but it's uh, with great conditions of publication uh, and replacement in London. But I I haven't thought about it enough, maybe. Okay, okay. And and you can look online. Thank you, thank you, Pat President, for bringing the bell and shrine of St. Connell Cale to to our uh, attention. You'll find it uh, beautifully uh, photographed and the history of it. And your family is mentioned, by the way, Pat, in the history of it. So uh, maybe, as as Pat says, um, it's it's gaining more, uh, there's more information coming out about it, but people should be aware of it. Okay, Pat President and uh, Seamus Hennessy, got to meet them all good. And uh, we'll be back, if you could stay with us for a sec, Pat, it's just one more question after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Grania and County Mayo, Grania, you want to... Oh, yes. Hi, Joe. Yeah, you, how are thanks. you? Uh, yes, you... thanks for having me. Uh, I'm listening to a very interesting conversation yeah. about the Arda Chalice. Yeah. And I'd like to bring to your attention the uh, another famous... Uh, 
religious artifact constructed here in Ireland, in Dublin, yeah. and that is the famous Irish Monstrance, which resides in Fatima under very heavy security. Oh, it's in Fatima. And, and that was uh, yeah. constructed in 1948-49 yeah. by the, um, the uh, Gunnings and Sons of Dublin. Okay. And uh, it came back to Ireland for one visit in the 60 years, one public visit, in 2013. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it just spent eight days in the country. And I can tell you the security that it's, it's held in Fatima and the security we had for that trip are, was, was extraordinary. So, uh, but the interesting and thing a, about a monstrance is we, we, today, we'd all just, given that's radio, but a monstrance, we'd all be, well, not all, but anyone who's, where the Catholic would be familiar with the monstrance and holding the Eucharist, and the yeah. uh, the the celebrant would uh, raise it raise it during the the, the mass. The blessing, and, right. and what is different about this one? It's it's its value. Oh, well, this it's one is probably the most famous one in the world, okay. in fact, and probably the most valuable. It and was constructed from yeah. gifts that came in from many parts of the world. Okay, and, and it's, uh, how, it's how, how heavy is it? Well, it's 17 and a half pounds. It stands at three wow. and a half feet, 42 inches. Oh, it's at 1,650 precious stones, of which um, 750 are diamonds. And where did all this diamonds and jewels come from? Well, it came in from many. It started out as a private Thanksgiving gift uh, yeah. that my mother was initiated uh, with my father. Okay. In Thanksgiving for a special favour, Our Lady of Fatima gave, but then it very quickly became an international event. Okay. And uh, gifts began to pour in from many parts of the world. And is it uh, ever, so that in fact uh, they had to call off uh, after nine months or so. They had to say we cannot re- receive any okay. more gifts. And have we any uh, idea or, no, it's, or it's whatever? A, because uh, they had to redesign the monster several times. So many of your listeners would have heard about it, and many would have gone over and seen it in the museum in Fatima now. And how does it does it look magnificent? Does the light oh, it's work? Magnificent. Okay. It's one of the most beautiful works of art. Okay. A sacred art ever. And do we know who actually? Uh, you say it was Gunnings. Um, Gunnings, yes. And with, with the help of my yeah. father designing it, uh, giving putting in the uh, the Celtic the Celtic designs uh, intertwined with the Fatima uh, symbols and message. Okay. Okay. Uh, have you any idea? Here in 2013, uh, Joe, for okay. the for the first public visit and probably the only one we'll ever have in our lifetime, uh, Marion Fanukin of uh, Happy Memory yeah, interviewed me on that the occasion. Anniversary last week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Grania, any idea, Mammon? Question. Any idea of the value of it? Well, seven hundred and fifty diamonds. Maybe million. Maybe million dollars or something. I don't okay. know. Okay. You Pat, cannot, Pat, you cannot even photograph it. It's so valuable. I mean, okay, it's so okay. under high security in Fatima that you cannot a man even, told Leo, Leo, permission to even take a photograph. Was it Leo Mulligan or Leo, Mad- Leo Madigan wrote a book on it? Pat, is that in your poor view? No, the Irish monstrance. No, but... No, isn't it a crying out example for uh, a television uh, documentary? That's for true. somebody to make Absolutely, it, yeah, because yeah. it sounds the way Grania describes it there so well that it, you know you feel you can see it and, and and think about it, and it certainly should be investigated as a, as a 
um, you know, as a target without actually, actually asking for some kind of repatriation. Mm. And it's, all of that is a parallel to what's needed sure. down in uh, Cashel and in uh, Ada. Sure, Pat, half of Dublin lives in well, Portugal would, now, not half of Ireland. They said <laughs> used some of the techniques of the Arda Challenge, yeah. uh, that they were used in this monstrance. And gifts came in, as said, private gifts and company gifts. Um, Christy Ring gave his gold, uh, his gold medals. Wow, wow. So it has a very, very special, and people gave their wedding rings, their gold, their, but uh, uh, gifts came in from, from uh, uh, Indian, uh, uh, from India, um, uh, what's the country? Myanmar. It really was called yeah, um, Burma. Burma. Yeah, at the time. yeah, so Burmese yeah. rubies came in through India. And Grania, was this? Because I, I recall being in a in a church Pardon? in Limerick where there seemed to be a similar monstrance again, but it was made oh, no, from no, donations. This is, this is I know different. this is the big no, one. This, this is the real one. Yeah. No, this is this is the one that is international and. In Fatima, um, it was, it was um, Irish, some Irish bishops have been out there, and um, Cardinal Daly was invited for the 50 years of the monstrance. Okay, okay. Sounds, now, in, so, another, thing, uh, another uh, aspect of it, uh, yeah. uh, Joe, is that in thanksgiving for this monstrance, the first bishop, Don Jose, Alves Correa de Silva, offered to the people of Ireland a magnificent sculpture done by their own famous Tadim family. Mm-hmm. Now, that statue... Uh, is a statue that is uh, an exquisite example of their, uh, it's similar to the one, or you might say a replica of the one in the Capolina in Fatima. But unfortunately, the Irish bishops did not give permission for public veneration at the time. Okay. So it spent 26 years, uh, out of uh, almost 30 years altogether, without having public veneration. And why wouldn't they allow public veneration? Well, they just didn't see it at the time. They didn't think. Uh, God, we'd nothing else to be looking at. We'd nothing else to be looking at in those days. Um, so there's a whole story here, yes. Okay, Granny, good to be for bringing that to our attention. Pat, one of your uh, ex-colleagues uh, wants to say hello to you after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Now, I mentioned earlier the Therese Mobile, the relics of St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Theresa of the Roses, uh, travelled around Ireland. It must be 20 years ago. I presumed it had gone back to France. Uh, the relics have, but the Therese Mobile is still in Ireland. Julie O'Hagan. Hello, Joe. How are you? Where is the Therese Mobile? Well, it ended up in Sunbeam House Services. Whether it's still running in there, I'm Where, not where's, sure. where's Sunbeam House? Sunbeam House is a service for people with disabilities in, in Bray. Yeah. And uh, I left in 2012, and she was still going strong then. Um, so I'm not sure... And what, did uh, you, what, was, what was done with the Therese Mobile? Well, basically, um, one of our service users, uh, mother, our mother, and the wonderful Anne O'Neill was brilliant. And she worked for Noel Smith. She okay. was his housekeeper. So she kind of brought it about for us, so he donated it. He actually actually fitted out the inside with seats and, and all oh. the, you know, stuff that we needed. And he donated it to the unit where I was the manager. Oh, that was a so good it, idea, it, yeah. it, it was brilliant to have because we, I mean, we just had transport then for everyone to go out on trips and leisure activities, pick people up from home, that kind of thing, you know. So it's been, and, been put to good use. And, and the reliquary, yeah. the, 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 the glass container on the back, I wonder what happened that. I have no that idea, was that was Joe. very valuable. 
Yeah, it probably was. Now, um, I think it was probably, I went out to his house to have a look at it and he was, you know, on his property. I think it had been empty and not used for a while and maybe that's what Anne thought looked as good use for this, you know. So um, I don't know what happened to the relic or anything like that, but uh, we were all, like, you know, saying we were blessed, literally, to get it. Okay, and I'd say, and I know a lot of people have a special devotion to St. Teresa of the Roses, to, to travel in the same uh, vehicle that the relics of St. Therese travelled in yeah. would, give, would give people a certain, a certain connection yeah. as well, wouldn't they? A certain reverential yeah. connection. Yeah. OK, yeah. Julie, well done, well done, well done. Right uh, Patrick O'Rourke, you're, you, you want to say hello to... Was he, was he your boss, Patrick, back in the day? Yes, he, I, 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 he was, I wasn't a colleague, though. He was my boss. He gave me work He gave me work in the 70s and 80s at the Wood Tea Fighting Settlement. Okay. And, uh, Is that Paddy O'Rourke? Is that Paddy O'Rourke? Yes. Hello, Paddy. Hello, uh, Mr. I, Wallace. How are you doing? Yes. Yeah, Paddy worked in Wood Tea with me for years. Wow. And uh, he had a great net of meeting celebrities if they ever visited and I want to congratulate him on that. I remember he he showed David Soul the Starsky and Hutch guy. Oh, yeah. Paddy showed him around the site because I missed him when he turned up and he also showed uh, Spike Milligan around the site, if I'm right. Am I right, Paddy? <laughs> yes, and Peter O'Toole. Okay, <laughs> and Peter O'Toole. Yeah, Paddy was this Tony Gold man who could have been, say, Burt Reynolds or that, and he could have got a handy job from one of these fellows, but they never saw his talent like I did. <laughs> and, and Patrick, you, you said you, you used to go to Iona in, in the Isle of Iona in Scotland. Yes, that's right, Joe. And what that's were you, what right, were you working so on there? Uh, no, I'll tell you what happened, Joe. I was involved with the Glen Cree Peace Centre in the okay. in the eighties. After I left, after Mr. Wallace, um, they employed me as the driver at the Peace Centre in Glen Cree. Anyway, they arranged for me to go to Iona and to other places. But and I got to know. I used to go there. I loved that wildness out in the Western Hebrides in Scotland. You know, yeah. but I discovered something. There was a minister there. He's the founder of the Iona community called the Reverend George MacLeod. And any time I ever heard him speak, you know, on, on a broadcast on the TV, he'd always talk about, give us back our book, give us back our book. You know, this is the, the book of Kells ah. in Trinity College. You know, and I'll tell you one thing, that would be a bad career move for Trinity College. Just on that, Joe, there, there's a good t- case to be made for the book of Kells to have been made in in that uh, Columban area, the islands. Okay. And yeah. I suppose what, what Paddy is also thinking of, the Viking kings of Dublin, when they became Christian, tended to be buried uh, in Iona. They had a great yeah. t- uh, devotion from Dublin that's to Iona right, right. Yeah, in the 11th century. I think, yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. I walked, uh, sorry? No, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah. You walked? Uh, yes, uh, Iona was amazing. It's a wild place, you know, and um, the Irish, of course, I grew up in, like, I don't mind talking about it now. I'm 79 years old. I have nothing to hide. I grew up in Derry <laughs> City, and um, I made my First communion, not bringing religion into it. I made my first communion in the Long Tower Church, and that was where St. Columba founded his first, um, you know, abbey, is it, or something like that, you know. And I became, you know, I'm not a religious man, but but it's quite extraordinary that I that I got that I I went that I got uh, the connection there in Iona, and um, St. Columba, you know, he said. um, 
So do they have a do I own a Pat mentioned there they have a they have some claim to the book of Kells. Have they claim to Derry Naflan yes. or our dad, the chalices? No, no. No, no. okay. No, okay, no just, but they just, wanted to. They wanted to. They always said they wanted their book back. Nice to talk to to, to Mr. Wallace and yourself, John. Okay, like like well, likewise, Patrick. That's Patrick Aurora. Nice to talk to you, Paddy. Yeah, Paddy Aurora. Uh, Paddy, Paddy, you you, you would have would you have been on your hands and knees in Wood Key back in the day? <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at a picture here on the wall now in, in my little flat here. Of, it's, a, it's a Peter Sourcefield. Mr. Wallace oh, might have known him. Great he was a photographer. Yeah. Great photographer. Uh, Irish Times. He's the Irish Times photograph on the wall here. I'm looking at, and I'm in a Fikin house. And I understand that Mr. Wallace would know more than me. The, um, I'm excavating a fireplace going back maybe wow. a thousand years. Wow. Yeah, 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 around, years, yeah that's so. around, I know the level you're on there. It's around the time of the Vestal Tarf. That's the Shamble yeah. Street you're talking about. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's right. That that's right. right. That's right. And 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 uh, that's right. Pat, Patty, Mr. Wallace, uh, as, as Patrick, <laughs> um, are you saying that's is all of that documented and published? It's, the houses are. We did a book on the houses, but we've got to do something on uh, the, the the bronze metalwork, uh, the ironwork, the various. Uh, you know, and the catabones I mentioned, other environmental evidence—it's all there, lying to be to be excavated or to be uh, given to specialists. Particularly while I'm alive, where I can tell them where things came from. Yeah, I, I'm 74 now, and time is running out, and we've got to do it. And the museum should target in and do it. Okay, say with us, Patrick. Yes, Patrick. Yes. Joe, can I say something very quickly, Joe? Yeah, can I say something very yes, quickly? Uh, to, to, to Mr. Wallace, I walked into the Wood Key. Uh, you know the the the, the officers where the officers are, Mr. Uh, Mr. The Wallace. Civic you know, officers, yeah. Just yeah. before Christmas, and the security man. Uh, there's an exhibition there to the the Wood Key, and I didn't know because the place was closed during the pandemic. And he said, "Go on down, go on down." And I walked down into the into the exhibition, and who's on the wall but Pat O'Rourke with his shirt off? And you were there. <laughs> and I, and, there. I haven't <laughs> seen that exhibition, Pat. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And a fine, uh, and a, I'm, and not and a, a I'm not a pretty cycle. No, sure I'm, you know sure, I mean? I'm sure you were fine. You had a fine, manly, manly <laughs> chest back in the day, Pat. Uh, back, okay. back after Thanks this break, go to meet a Margaret Parry. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Now, Pat Wallace, we've discovered another uh, location that the Arda Chalice travelled to, and uh, that was uh, out to this campus here. Maura Connolly of The Late Late Show. Maura, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I'm absolutely delighted with the whole discussion you've had. Yes. I'm delighted to hear Pat and his well of knowledge because uh, we not only believe that The Late Late Show was a talk show, we believe that it was visual. And we had Pat in, I couldn't tell you how many times, showing different uh, artefacts from the museum, including the Ardath Chalice and a sarcophagus, I remember, from Egypt. Wow. And (laughs) Terracotta Warrior. I remember that. I think I remember that. Maura, it's a joy to hear you, and uh, <laughs> I, as you know, I love Gay. Gay was a tremendous 
character or you know, supporter. Yeah. If he, if he believe, and so Joe, you know yes. him better than anyone. He was great. wonderful to me and a, yeah. such a good old pal, really. Uh, he was great, and yeah. I, I worked, I worked on the late late for thirty years. So incredible, you were regularly featured, and it was a great way of showing what we had in the museum. Fantastic. For various exhibitions. So the art the art challenge was brought brought delicately onto the late late show studio floor. And Gay couldn't say there was one for everyone in the audience. No, no, no. <laughs> what he did say, though, on the night, I remember okay. it was, he said, this place is crawling with armed soldiers. And okay. everyone, <laughs> everyone believed him. Everyone believed him. <laughs> and it's a, it's a reminder, Marcus, you were br- you were brilliant on all that cultural stuff as well. The, yeah, the, I loved uh, it. And uh, I remember even when the uh, book on the Hunting Museum yeah. came out and I picked about ten of the items and we brought them up and we showed them on the late, late with spoons. And you remind, know, you're remind, Gay was fantastic. Yeah. Gay was fantastic. Gay was fantastic. always made sure that the camera was focused on the item while they were talking. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, Maura, a reminder as well, I know your own interest, a reminder as well to people that uh, our National Gallery, our art galleries, all the art galleries, our museums, Collins Barracks, um, obviously Kildare yeah. Street, obviously Castle yeah. Bar, and all the, the Hunt Museum, all the brilliant museums around the country are yeah. all open. And I think every single one of them has still got free admission, which is incredible. Yes. Incredible. Fantastic. Incredible. Yeah. And if Pat showed some of the things when the Collins Museum opened first, a whole pile of Irish silverware. Do you remember that? I do, Mara, yeah. Well, yeah. And Collins Barracks, a wonderful place to visit. Yeah. Mara Connolly, go to me and Mark. I just want to get thank in. The, uh, th- thank you. That's a great Mara Connolly, still hail and hearty. That's fantastic to hear. Doug Murray, Doug, you want to find something. Pat Bollis can't help you, but go ahead. Yeah, I know we're running out of time, but very yeah. quickly, you know, yes. the Irish Hospital sweepstakes. When, yes. Um, my father used to own a business called Lucky Cody in Dane Street, but many people might oh, remember. Oh, great, but, of course, yeah. Uh, my, my memory of my youth has been brought in by the hand to the head office on the Marion Road office of the RDS and yeah. used to bring me in there used to be the massive draw drum there that the nurses used to pull the tickets out of okay. now, I believe it's, it's, it's maybe made out of solid brass but uh, after my father passed away I wondered where on earth it went to so I eventually located it out beside uh, Paddy McGrath's old house Cabinteely House which is now open to the public in the park in Cabinteely and it was um, under a, a plywood structure on the right hand side of the house and I said to myself that should be in the museum so, no, the, so ju- just to be clear again, people, the, the, the drums we all know from the Irish sweepstakes in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and before that indeed, they were uh, iconic photographs of the nurses uh, dipping their hand in to pick out the sweepstakes tickets. Yeah. You're saying the drums, yeah. one, of them, one of them is still, is still uh, in existence. Yeah, well, it is the drum. I think there was only okay, one that, okay. that was brought in, the drum, and it's out it's on the right-hand side of Cabin Teeley House in the park in Cabin Teeley. Now, that was the last time I was out there was eight years ago. So if it's still there, great. If it's not, it should be on display somewhere. Okay, know? here, here. Here, here. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I know, Pat, you you have a great in, interest in industrial history as well and social history. So uh, yeah, we'll, try, we'll try and get a photograph of that. OK, today's programme was presented by Dr. Pat Wallace. Um, <laughs> I, I, just, I just answered the phone. Pat, thanks again. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you hailing hearty, Pat? You sound I am, Joe. I have the book uh, finished and I'll, I'll hopefully someday talk to you about that. Okay. It's a book on, on horse transport. Oh, written. wow. 
uh, on the whole island. Wow, and, magnificent, uh, magnificent. Well, yeah. Great great to hear your voice again. We didn't know, as per usual, we didn't know where we were, uh, the item would lead when we got the first call. But, but Pat, thank you thank you so much then for participating. And to all our callers, today's uh, producer was Nadine Maloney. And Ray Darcy's next.